Hi, everyone, and welcome. Today's sponsor is a listener turned business owner. So please do listen up and check them out. Today's episode is brought to you by our favorite sun protective apparel line, Violette. Violette is the premier sun protective collection that's on a mission to bring fashion to function with the highest quality UPF 50 plus apparel, which blocks 98% of the sun's damaging rays. The founder, Ainsley Collins, has made her passion into a career by designing protective clothing that you will actually want to wear. I know listeners will enjoy getting to know Violette as our sponsor. You have them to thank for our incredible upcoming conversation with Maxwell and Geraldine. Be sure to head over to shopviolette.com and at shopviolette underscore on Instagram. Be sure to check them out. I am Emily Landers, and this is How'd She Do That? A podcast answering that question each episode. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the podcast. I hope that you all are enjoying these last summer days. We are enjoying summer weekends here in California. Uh, And if you're listening at a later date, these episodes are evergreen. And I know that you will enjoy today's conversation with the founders of Maxwell and Geraldine, Kate and Beth. This is an episode I've been so eager for you all to hear, and I know you're going to enjoy. But before we dive in, I wanted to share something fun that we've been doing recently on the podcast, which is basically an encouragement for our listeners to let us in, let us in on the behind the scenes as to where you're listening from, perhaps what you're doing. It's been fun to see you guys on smoothie runs. Uh, Some of you have been painting, some of you have been in a carpool line. And just yesterday, I had someone that I follow on Instagram who did a little update on her house. She did a little painting and I complimented her skills on her front steps. And she told me I was listening to the podcast the whole time. So moments like that are very surreal. Thank you guys for letting us be a part of your day. Even in the smallest of ways, it's the biggest to us. So I really appreciate it and can't tell you enough how much it means to us when you share the podcast, when you share it with a friend, when you share it on social. And of course, those of you who have headed over to anchor.fm slash how'd she do that slash support and support us monthly. Wow. I mean, the list goes on and on in the ways that we are grateful for you. And for those of you who are following us on Instagram at how'd she do that podcast, you will have seen how much momentum, how much excitement there is around the podcast. So much so that I'm excited to share in the month of August, we will have two episodes a week. We are doing a summer series with Liza Pruitt and her artist. They have been working on an incredible collection for us. I can't wait for you guys to see the artwork. We're going to talk all about it in the month of August on Friday bonus episodes. So do stay tuned for those. We have so many fun things coming up. I can't wait for you guys to hear it all, including today's episode. Here is Beth and Kate on How'd She Do That? Today's guests, Kate Hawken and Beth Dye, are the founders of Maxwell and Geraldine. 
These identical twin sisters who live on opposite coast of the U.S. talk every day and love a good dress. A few years ago, they started dreaming about making chic, beautiful dresses that were missing from their closets. You know, those hard-to-find, easy-to-wear styles that add instant polish? When you find one, it's like winning the wardrobe lottery. You hold onto it for years and reach for it again and again. Well, the twins wanted more of them, and they thought we might, too. Since the ladies have launched multiple products and continue to fill old and new customers' closets with beautiful pieces that are ethically manufactured. When they aren't working on upcoming designs, sharing their pieces with women around the world, or encouraging ladies like myself, they are likely traveling or enjoying time with friends and family. Kate and Beth, welcome to How'd She Do That? Thank you. What a kind introduction. (laughs) I am so excited that you both are here. We were uh, chatting before we started recording, and I feel like I probably could have just not hit record. We have so much in common uh, with the twin vibe and getting to have you both on today's episode. Thank you. And you guys are tuning in from coast to coast. Is that right? That's right. This is Kate. I'm uh, just outside DC in Northern Virginia. This is Beth. I am in San Francisco, California, heart of the city. Ah, I love it. Well, it's fun to cover all of the US today and myself south south of you guys here in Los Angeles. It's so much fun. And I have to share this, and I, I actually waited to be recording to tell you guys this, but when I posted that you two were joining me on an upcoming episode, uh, my DMs were a little insane. People were excited. Oh my <laughs> gosh. gosh. That's so good to hear. It was so sweet. So I'll have to actually, I'll have to screenshot some of those and send them your way. But but anyways, you guys are awesome. And again, I'm so eager to dive in. Oftentimes with the podcast, I love to just go for it. I love to get started hearing more about your story. And for both of you, I'd love to begin kind of at the beginning. Maybe tell us where did you go to school and ultimately what did you major in? This is Kate and we both went to Syracuse University. Go Orange. Um, (laughs) They have a wonderful communication school, uh, Mm. which is what originally drew me to it. I really wanted to be a journalist and studied broadcast journalism and double majored in that and political science. I really loved Connie Chung and Barbara Walters growing up. We visited the campus. Beth came along and she was going to visit Ithaca College. And we both truly fell in love with it. Mm. And Beth ended up majoring. Beth, what did you major in? Yeah, I I also majored in broadcast journalism and I had a minor in psychology. Oh, interesting. What was the psychology major interest? Was that just an interest in school or was there hopes of doing something with that later on? I think I, I think, you know, Kate and I were very much convinced we were going to be on television as broadcasters, which as soon <laughs> as we did our first internships in a true newsroom and realized everyone starts out working the night shift and makes about three dollars. Um, <laughs> we started to rethink those aspirations. But um <clears throat> I just always felt that psychology would help me in life. I, I was personally interested in um, in the topic. And I'm so glad I did. It it is, Mm. it has informed and helped me, you know, understand the way people think and react ever since. So, and, and it was, they had a fabulous program at Syracuse. 
Well, and I love too that you both were stepping into what you thought might be, you know, journalism and thinking about that. Tell me this, because I know people are always so curious with twins. Did you guys room together? Did you live together in college? Or was it more, was there any elements that were separate? I know too, you're identical. So what did it look like in school to to kind of run around campus together? No, we we did not originally think we would go to college together. We really oh, thought wow. we'd go to separate colleges. But when we both visited, you know, you're identical twins. You tend to like the same things. And <laughs> we both fell in love with the campus. Hmm. And it's funny you mentioned what was it like. Our entire lives, being an identical twin was such – it's the ultimate marketing tactic. <laughs> True. Everybody wants to know the twins, you know, every, especially back in our day, there were less twins in the world. Wow. Um, and it was pretty special. Mm. Uh, so it was funny. It, it was no, you know, for us, we did not room together again because we, we did have a sense of, you know, wanting to go slightly separate ways, but we loved that we were in school together, especially looking back because mm. We've never lived in the same town since. Oh, wow. So that was really great and fun. And yes, we definitely had our moments of people mistaking us for each other. And um, in high school, I even think I went on a date for Beth. (laughs) (laughs) But we would, we would, um, the best thing we did in high school was we would go to gym class the day we would have like separate picture days. We were in separate classes. So one of us would go to gym class the day of picture days so like their hair didn't get messed up and they could <laughs> the one twin could look perfect for their picture. We didn't have to get like messed up in gym class. That was a good one. Priorities. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Priorities. Oh my gosh. Well, there's so many little elements of, of being a twin that I know people find so interesting. And so to think of you both, yes, uh, best friends throughout life and then stepping into this season in, in college. What did it look like for you guys to ultimately, I mean, you graduate, you're looking to take the next step in your career. What was the beginning for each of you? What was that first role out of school? I, this is Kate. I moved to DC right after school. I, I lived in a fabulous house with four other friends and we were all just super scrappy and finding jobs where we could. I started out at a company called Broder Worldwide, which was a PR firm. A lot of mm. journalists turned to the PR world because it's a lot of writing. And, and this was a company that was focused on new technology. And at the time... We were launching things like flat screen TVs for the mm. first time, HDTV, uh, DVRs were new. So it was actually a really f- exciting place to work because it was a time when a lot of new technology was being introduced to the market. Wow. It's so interesting to think too of, you know, I always love even at this point in the conversation to try to connect the dots and I'm still getting there with what you're doing now and how you got to what you both are doing. So tell me this because it's really fun. Uh, Beth, what was it that you stepped into? So Kate moves to DC and she's in the world of of PR tech and, and seeing all that's coming there. Beth, where did you end up? So I... It's interesting. I had like a mini nervous breakdown after school because my boyfriend, now husband at the time, was like, I'm going to Manhattan. He's a designer. Uh-huh. He knew he had to go. And I really did not. I We grew up in w- Western Maryland, a small town called Frederick, Maryland, uh-huh. which is fairly rural. Um, so the thought of going to Manhattan for me was just, 
I couldn't wrap my head around it, but I decided to go best decision of my life actually oh. ended. I landed in Hoboken, New Jersey for anyone who knows the Northeast. That is yep. a great kind of very close city. You can get into Manhattan. I think in five minutes on the path train from that, that little town in New Jersey. Um, and I lived again, just like Kate with a bunch of girlfriends all making our way in Manhattan. We all had jobs in the city. Um, I ended up at a tiny advertising agency. And I will also say a plug for Syracuse University for both my sister and I. We we found, I think, several of our first, you know, first couple jobs out of school, thanks to the Syracuse network, I would say. Oh wow. If if you're looking at college, you're looking at college for your kids, make sure they have a great alumni network because mm. it's huge, right? It's really yeah. important to get you launched. Um, so I ended up at a tiny advertising agency that kind of did smaller brands, placing ads for them around the city. It was a short-lived gig um, that I just realized very quickly, probably not my skill set. Again, I'd come out of psychology and right. um, journalism. So I know we're going to get to another point in this interview where we maybe talk about a key learning. That was a good one for me, was like, mm. you know, pivot. Um, mm-hmm. And then I landed after that, again, thank goodness, thanks to the Syracuse Network, a friend of mine, I landed at a, a beauty PR agency. Mm. And that was just a hoot. It was Clairol. It was Maybelline, huge brand. It was Laura Mercier, um, big, fun brands doing huge events for them, basically for magazine editors, um, wow. beauty editors to come. And I mean, we would do things at the US Open. And I was I was this young, scrappy kid running around Manhattan making these things happen, not making a ton of money, but learning a, a bunch. So that was my beginning. Oh, well, I love to hear it. And I love too. it's interesting. Um, and I, I can guess your hesitations in moving to New York, but you're likely one of the first guests who shared so eloquently the hesitations of moving to New York, you know, just that that was way out of your realm of, of thought that, that that would be where you would, you know, end up. And so it's fun to hear that ultimately you did thrive and, and enjoy. Now, Beth, or, or excuse me, Kate, are you visiting the city? Are you coming up to New York? Are you guys seeing each other quite a bit. What what did the relationship between sisters look like in this season of life? I mean, there's nothing better than having a twin sister who lives <laughs> near Manhattan. We had a ball. We, I still, you know how you flash back on great memories? I still flash back all the time. Beth and Alan eventually moved to a fifth floor walk up. <laughs> and we would always go out and stop at Seven Star Pizza at the end of the night and get a slice and <laughs> heave ourselves up the five foot. It was just so fun. We both mm. had fun jobs. Everybody, lots of people we knew lived in and around the city. And so it was great. I mm. couldn't ask for more. Mm. Well, it is. It's always so fun to think back on on that season. And and for those of you who are listening who might think a stint is in your future or perhaps the siblings there, take advantage of those visits. Take advantage of the opportunities because I think a theme that I see uh, within my podcast guests is many of them have a stint there. And I think that the, uh, you know, um, the momentum that the city gives you, I'm sure it's something that has lasted a lifetime for both of you. Now, okay, tell us this, Kate, you are still working in the the PR realm and you're still in this tech role. How long did that last? I know that Beth has moved into a few different roles at this point, ultimately stepping into PR as well, but are you still enjoying this? What did that stint look like? 
It's a long and winding road to get to <laughs> Maxwell and Geraldine. Um, I was there at the tech PR firm for three or four years, and then I went to AOL. Remember America uh, Online? Yes. That was a really fun job. I got to launch their – this was before people were texting on their phones, before there was – right. A, you could easily text on your phones. And so they launched something called the mobile communicator and I helped them launch this. We are so old. We are dinosaurs, by the way. <laughs> yes. Wow. We have revealed ourselves. I'm embracing it. I'm embracing it. <laughs> Please do. So that was really fun. I-, I was there a short time, but that was really my first, again, we're still very much technology, um, but also a media company. I mm-hmm. think Time Warner had bought them at that point. Mm-hmm. And so I was dabbling a bit in that world too. And my next job was at Discovery Channel. Oh, wow. Which is ba- one of the only television networks based in the DC area. Um, not anymore, but it was at the time. Mm-hmm. And that was the majority of my career. I was there. And I also did National Geographic television for a long time. So oh, wow. TV PR was, was a big, big part of my life and took me to New York all the time as well. Ah, okay. Yes. So there's the connect there. Well, it's so incredible to hear just from both of you, the different roles that you were stepping into and wow. I mean, for, for you, Kate, specifically massive brands and Beth, you as well in, in the beauty space. And, and I know you guys learned so much. I want to ask this because I know we're going to get there. We're going to hear about the launch of what you guys are up to now. But way back, you know, in the growing up years in college, was there ever a buzz or a thought that you would work together or or was that something that came later in life that was a hope? Yes. I think, I don't know if we really had much true intention when we were truly young mm-hmm. about working together. But as we got older, we'd always have those conversations that you have with people from time to time. You know, what's your million dollar idea? Yep. We sort of entrepreneurial thinkers and always, we're always batting around ideas. And especially in the years leading up to Maxwell and Geraldine, we started to latch onto this idea of working together. Oh. Beth, did you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I would say, right, it percolated for years. And and sorry, just to go back really quick. Yeah. You're absolutely right to encourage everyone to try and do a stint in a large city because mm. I think it does shape you. Kate was in DC, I was in Manhattan. It, it, it's, it's instrumental. I eventually mm. made my way, this is Beth, into the magazine world. And I spent the majority of my career doing publicity for magazines. Um, mm. Kate and I, just just to go back to what you were saying, Kate and I, I think we were very lucky to grow up in that generation of like, we're going to have big careers and we're going to do fun, interesting things. And that was absolutely available to us. And we went for it. So I think for many years, we were very focused on our careers, which were fun and interesting and, you know, uh, um, allowed us to do really cool things. And mm. then, right, like, as Kate said, I mean, remember, we're living, we've always lived I mean, not even in the same cities, never even lived in in a state bordering itself, right? Kate was in, you know, Virginia, D.C. I was in New York and then I moved to California and Kate stayed in Virginia. So, um, you know, we're getting, you know, you get older and you're just like, oh my gosh, like we need to, we need, you know, we have very similar minds. We have similar skill sets. Like let's, let's do something with this. So, but it, it grew over time, not immediately. 
Mm. At first, it was like, we're going to crush something on our own, I think. And then it was, all right, now let's take what we've learned because we know a lot more now. We have decades of experience behind us and let's do something with it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. This makes me so excited to hear what those rumblings were. And I love what you just pointed out. Uh, and it might be that, you know, more likely than not, listener, you might not be a twin. And we all apologize because being a twin is the best thing ever, I can attest. But you might be thinking of, of a friend, you know, you might have a best friend that you guys have thrown around the idea of something. And I love what Kate and Beth are sharing that, yeah, there was a buzz around it. You know, there was there were some thoughts around it, but it was years until the timing kind of panned out. So I'm curious, I want to hear what did the timing look like for you guys to recognize, okay, it's time to start something. The pandemic. Oh, wow. Yep. You know, I think a lot of people, we all had time to ourselves, time to think, time to reevaluate, um, the great resignation started and you start to think, what do I really want to do? What makes me happy? What makes me want to get up in the morning? And we had a lot of time. So we would, we kept brainstorming and brainstorming. And I'll tell I think one of the first seeds was I, I had bought a dress that I found myself wearing over and over and over. Oh. And I got a compliment every time I wore it. And it was easy to wear. I could throw it in the wash. And I thought, more women need this dress. And so the, the first idea was the one dress. There's, there's, this became the one dress in my closet that I could wear almost anywhere, anytime, always look good, always look put together, super easy to wear, no zippers, no buttons. Yep. And that was one of the first seeds. Beth and, that got Beth and I really chatting about, could we do a dress business? We've always loved fashion. And Beth's husband worked at Kate Spade at one point in his career, was a connector for us. And Beth, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sure you have stuff to add as well. No, the best thing about my husband working at Kate Spade is I have a size nine shoe and that's the sample sales. So he would bring me all the size nine shoes from the photo shoot. Glorious. But anyway, <laughs> my breath. Yes, he, he helped connect us. Again, so just to continue this story, as we percolated, hmm. We had come up with a bunch of ideas. Like we had just thought, oh, maybe it would be fun to like again share our knowledge, like help kind of be a cheerleader for women. And yeah. and actually, my husband was the one who was like, I really think you need to make something. You know, like put, put something around this. You can you can help women feel confident, but you guys should make something. You know, you do have a good fashion sense. And then wow. right, he connect. And so it was just like, all right, let's explore it. Let's start walking down the road. Right. Mm-hmm see what happened. And I don't think we realized we were walking down the road. We were just like, okay. And uh, and so we started talking to some of the contacts my husband had. I also knew them. We were friendly and mm-hmm. just started picking their brains. And that led to finding someone who could help us find fabric. And then we had a big conversation with them, started understanding what that looked like. How much is it? How long does it take to make fabric? Where you buy it? Wow. You know, um, and then that started rolling into, okay, you know, he was like, you know, who are you going to use as your manufacturer? Are we going to manufacture in the United States? Are we going to manufacture China? I mean, it was a long, but you just start walking down the road and it, and it started happening. You know, we just started realizing the engine that could, we can do this. Mm. We can do this. Just keep going. You know, it was, 
fascinating. It was it was like a challenge at first. Mm. And then solving the problems and getting there. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm putting together some of the pieces and okay, clarify this for me. Are these conversations happening in 2020? Kate and I literally probably started speaking in earnest about yep. doing something together probably in like 2017, 2018. You know, we talk all the time. We talk four or five times a day. You know, we chat about things. This is when, you know, Instagram really started popping, seeing these influencers were fascinated by that, you know, yes. we were kitty chat, 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 you know, about all, all these possibilities. So always over the phone and mm -hmm. over a, a period of years, but I would say in 2019, probably that dress idea started solidifying phone, 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 mm -hmm. 2020 started walking. Yeah. 1920 started walking down the road in earnest. Okay, so I am I just have to pause because th that timeline is I'm totally shocked. I actually thought that that this was way earlier and so to see what you've done since like beginning the conversation in 2019 and ultimately, correct me if I'm wrong, launching in 2020, is that right? It was lightning fast. Like that's I what I'm that. sensing. It was, it was we are not even a year old, Emily. Yeah, I'm like actually floored right now because the timeline, and I'm sorry, I just have to pause and point this out. The timeline is so much different than I thought because to me, well, well okay, let, let's keep going. Let's keep unpacking because this is just crazy. So you guys are having these conversations and I love what you were just sharing, uh, Beth, specifically about just how these conversations were were fairly natural. You guys are figuring it out. You're, you're kind of figuring out the details around manufacturing and whatnot. What did it look like? Did we have a a piece in hand first and foremost? What did those samples look like? Are we loving them? Is there any hesitation or or did we get it down fairly quickly? It we we got lucky. I mean we, we did start with a seamstress here, right in DC and wow. just bringing her some elements of styles that we liked and having her put it together and Ultimately, that was fully scrapped. But again, oh. all of this informs the process. Mm. And ultimately, what happened for us, and part of what made our timeline a little quicker was we were introduced to a manufacturer who had design help in-house. Wow. Who could work with us both on the design and on the manufacturing. Wow. And- had done it for 20 years. And, wow. and we were thankfully, due to the Kate Spade contacts, connected with someone who had the same sensibilities as us. And that's very important, hmm. um, mainly working for the European market, hmm. um, but had dresses that we would have worn, that our daughters would have worn. And wow. so that was incredibly helpful. And and in addition, I, I just have to say yeah. that another aha moment in this whole experience was being introduced to this woman who started her factory, which is based in Madagascar, which is off the east coast of Southern Africa, hmm. one of the poorest countries in the world. She started it to give the women of her community a purpose, a hmm. living wage, and a way out of some pretty terrible life situations. Mm. She gives them a living wage, a 401k, healthcare, transportation to and from work, wow. an incredibly good working environment 
When we heard that and again, saw the sensibility of her styles, we just knew this is it. Mm. There's no, that we're going to do this. We're going to help these women. Mm. This is part of the ethical manufacturing that we always wanted to do. Yeah. And the, the, the intention to never do fast fashion. Mm. One of the biggest things we wanted to do was fashion that will sit in your closet for a long time. Fashion that you could pass down to your daughter. Yeah. Beautifully made clothing, beautifully sourced material. So that was a big part of it. She helped us get to that point. Mm, a huge win, a huge win right off the bat. And to know that you guys are stepping into this and thinking about, you know, what is manufacturing going to look like? We want to make sure this is ethically made, sourced. How can we continue? I know that both of you have mentioned this, a, a theme of just encouraging women, supporting them. How do, What does that look like? And it's really amazing to me right off the bat to see how you're doing that in such a tangible way. And so quickly, what an incredible element of your business that I'm, I'm so happy that we're able to share because the pieces and what you're sharing and and what your product is is so beautiful to add that element to it is next level. So, oh my word, you guys are getting pieces in, I'm guessing, are you're shipping them to yourself? What did it look like to begin selling them? Is this online? Are we doing pop-ups? What did that look like? Before we get into that, Emily, sorry, this is Beth. I just have to yeah. interject one memory that popped into my head and, and oh, this good. is cool and just a great example of you know, this was all happening in the pandemic, literally, right? We're we're sending samples back and forth. And at a certain point, it was like, you know, you start needing to make small changes, pull the hem up, make the sleeve a little wider, you know, right. pull the smocking on the waist up or down. And I remember saying, we need to get on a, um, a Zoom mm. so we can see each other. I mean, it's crazy, again, that these dresses were made this way. And right. we, our manufacturer based in Madagascar was like, what is Zoom? <laughs> so we had to teach her how to Zoom. Oh, my gosh. And I remember literally like walking her through it and bless her. She's amazing. She was like, all right, let's, let's figure this out. And we Zoomed with her to, you know, really finalize our, 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 our end, our, our pieces. And it was me, Beth, in my room. <laughs> trying on the samples and being like, all right, let's pull the waist up. Like it, when I, again, it's just amazing. But when you find a partner who's willing to go there with you, it worked. And when you just say, okay, well, how do we, again, it's, it's just problem solving. How do we solve this problem? All right, let's get on a zoom. You know, let's yeah. try it on. Let's, and it worked anyway. I just, that was crazy and amazing. <laughs> well, yeah. To think of you in your room and zooming someone in Madagascar and making these changes. Now, was this a first batch of samples or did you guys go head in with, with pieces available for, for purchase with, with these conversations? What, what did that kind of look like those early stages? It, it, it was an evolution. I mean, we, like I said, we, we would, we did design these pieces. I mean, yeah. it was very specific. It did go back and forth several, several times. And then finally we did land on our first styles. Um, but it was iterated, you know, it took a while and we were literally sending FedExes back and forth to Madagascar to, to, <laughs> with sometimes sticky notes, you know, pinned to them in addition to emails, you know, but like, just to make sure this sleeve one inch, you know, <sighs> the, the smocking two inches up, you know? Um, yeah, it was, it was. And then finally, 
we would get a sample sent back to us after that, after that zoom samples were sent back and we said, okay, these are good. Let's go. Now time to manufacture and make a lot of them. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This is kind of a, I mean, this is often my favorite part of the story is when the pieces are coming and the product is on the way to the founders and you're going to be able to see it and, and move with it and share it. What did it look like for you guys? Because you have a ton of experience in PR and marketing um, and even, you know, likely even so in sales and, and different entities there. What did it look like for you guys to put this on the market? Was this, you know, online? Tell me, what did that look like to say, we have a product, everyone who who's anyone, and here it is? Yes, this is Kate. And another thing that inspired us and got us to the point of saying we're going to do this is we started buying dresses on Instagram. Yep. Which I'm sure many women listening will... Uh, identify with, right? Yes. You remember when you started buying items on Instagram <laughs> and you realized this is possible. Yeah. You have a direct relationship with your consumer. And that gave us a lot of the you know, realization that we could do this. So, mm. it was direct to consumer from the beginning. We found do you remember Clubhouse, that app? Yes. 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 Okay. I was listening to some Clubhouses about website design and SEO and uh, social advertising and found these amazing gentlemen from Houston, mm-hmm. connected with them, made a website. They did a beautiful job, I think. Um, you should shout them out, Kate. Yes. Um, Jag and Wolf is their, is their agency. Amazing. And they helped us tremendously and made a really beautiful website for us and, and educated us about, Mm. um, targeting your customer and how Mm. we can do that through advertising. And, um, and of course we got the word out to friends and family and had a, test site up for a while that just had a little uh, window where you could put in your email to, to, to learn when we launched. And so I would, I think we probably launched with 600 Instagram followers, which we acquired the few days that we launched and just went from there. Um, and through through social advertising and through word of mouth. And eventually we both knew boutiques in our towns who mm-hmm. did trunk shows for us. We had friends who did trunk shows for us. Wow. Um, so it was a little, it was a combination of both, but I would say 95% has been direct to consumer online. Uh, see, that's amazing. And I love to just, just a massive compliment to you both. You have mentioned multiple things that I'm like, you guys are so in the know for you to mention clubhouse one. I had forgotten about clubhouse, but that was such a great like entity uh, during COVID. There were so many great resources there. So props to you both. I'm, I'm loving hearing just the detailed element of all that you're sharing. And I I'm curious because I know we all know the the beautiful name you guys decided on at this point with the website is the brand ready? Do you have a name? What did that name conversation look like? <laughs> oh my gosh, Beth, I can't even remember. <laughs> oh, I, I can. I remember. <laughs> 
we what happened? Well, we thought we we were like, oh, let's let's call it the one dress. That sounds like a great idea. And then the realization very quickly hits is like, well, you can't get that as a website name. It's already taken. You can't get that as an Instagram name. Mm. It's already taken. We quickly realized like all the very like quick and easy and cool um, ideas were taken, and so we started brainstorming. And yeah, Kate, when did we? I I do remember. I feel like Kate was like telling a story about dad or something. Oh, maybe we were in North Carolina, like visiting my parents. Anyway, and maybe we were talking about something like the fact that my dad and the story goes that my dad could not tell my sister and I apart. We also have a sister who's 22 months older than us who also looked a lot like us. Oh my word. And my dad would never call us by our names. He'd call us Maxwell, Geraldine, Harold, Frank, <laughs> Schwartz. Yeah, Schwartz. Ridiculous, insane names. And somehow I said, "What if we? What if we? What if we said Maxwell and Geraldine?" And Kate had been talking about it. And I said, "What if we?" Kind of jokingly. Yeah. Because like, and basically because like it's not taken, right? And we were like, wait a minute, that could be interesting. And we have friends in, in, in branding industries and we kind of like bounced off and said, are we insane? And they said, no, you're not insane. It's a little out there, but it could work mm-hmm. and it's memorable. It's interesting. It's different. Yep. You have a good story behind it, which is authentic. So we, we went for it, but oh. it was one of those silly little things that you know, was born out of realizing, oh, the the quick and easy way isn't going to work. We can't call it the one dress. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that. And I love that that's the story behind it. And like you said, I, I mean, the story behind it with your dad and the reference to girls, whoever you are, get in the car is, is so, yep. so mm-hmm. awesome. And the element of necessity that the, the thoughts that you had, you know, weren't lining up and, and really, truly, I know many, many brands that the name comes from necessity of, okay, well, this is taken and this isn't. And boy, I think Maxwell and Geraldine is, is the perfect, perfect name for you guys. And, and since then, wow, you have launched not only dresses, but many different products. And I know there's always something coming up for you guys, but it's been so fun to hear about the highlights and really just the, the quick growth that you guys have seen. But I would be really curious to know, is there an instance throughout your career that you'd say maybe failure helped shape it? Yes, absolutely. Hmm. This is Kate. I, I Going back to that AOL job, which I loved, mm. but I had a tough manager and it got to the point where I realized I was basically being set up to fail. Mm. There was no, no matter what I did, it was never good enough. There was always a complaint and it's a real difficult way to, to work. Yeah. And it was that first time when I had to look at myself and say, I got to cut the cord. Mm. Even though I love the job, I love what I do. It's such a tough situation. And it ended up being great because my next job was Discovery Channel where I stayed for seven years and was a huge part of my career. And I learned so much and I worked with amazing people and I got to do amazing things. So I look back and and in a way that was a failure because I couldn't figure out a way to stay in the job Mm. and be, and make my manager happy and be happy myself. So, but I think that you always learn from failure and failures Mm. are not a bad thing. Failures should teach you something and should make you better. 
And I think that happened in that instance. Beth, any additional thoughts on on a potential failure that's helped shape your career? Yeah, my story is similar. That first job I told you about, the advertising agency that didn't match my skill set. They basically yes. were like, you're gonna be a jack of all trades here. You know, I was like, okay, I could do that, you know, I could do anything you ask me. And they were like, I remember the first day they were like, All right, so we need you to just like network our computers. You know, like the <laughs> last girl in this position was really good with computers. And I was like, rah, rah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's not going to work. And I remember calling my dad and being like, I can't do this. And mm. my dad was like, you know, kind of that older generation, like you can't leave a job. Like, you know, that's not going to go on your resume. Yeah. And I knew in my heart of hearts, I got to go. And probably I was young and naive. Maybe if I knew a little more, I would have tried to tough it out and been miserable. But <laughs> I, it, was, it was terrifying to leave, hmm. but I did leave. And then just like Kate landed at the beauty PR job that led me into eventually the magazine jobs. And of course that was my path and that was hmm. the right thing, but it was a failure. I felt like an idiot, you know, mm. I was in it for three months. It was my first job out of school. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to work in this mm. world. Mm -hmm. um, so similar, but you get up, you, you dust yourself off and you know, one door closes as they say, another opens. It's true. <laughs> yeah, it is. And and for someone listening, I know both of those examples will be timely to your season of life. So just a quick pause to, to make that comment. Somebody who's listening needs to hear that. Well, ladies, on the flip side of that, what has been a real wow moment in your career? Wow. This is Kate. Again, working for Discovery Channel, one of the biggest things I was part of was launching Planet Earth, the television series. Oh my screen. gosh. Quick pause. Thank you. We all want to thank you. That was an amazing, <laughs> amazing view thing to view. Thank you. It still brings a tear to my eye. I was so proud to be part of it. And mainly because I was working with cinematographers you know, basically my job was to help publicize the series. So I would bring in all the cinematographers, media train them book interviews for them, bring them um, all over the country to do interviews. And what was so great was these were people who were going to the ends of the earth, places no one had ever been before, capturing species behavior that had never been seen before, just meeting incredibly fascinating, interesting people, mm -hmm. and sometimes even getting to take journalists on trips to visit those places as well. Wow. So one of the fun things about being a publicist is that you can step into the lives of the people you're publicizing in some ways. Mm. And I'm a variety is a spice of life type of girl. So I loved it. And Planet Earth was one of those high points of you're working with amazing people. You're going to amazing places. You're doing amazing things. So that was a wow moment for me, for sure. Oh, that's awesome. And Beth, what are, what are your thoughts? A real wow yeah. moment. Yeah, I ended up landing at Hearst Magazines where I spent about 10 years. Um, and Hearst Magazine publishes like 19 consumer publications, everything from Marie Claire to Cosmopolitan, um, Town and Country. And while I was there, we launched Oprah Magazine as a company. Oh, um, my gosh. I worked in corporate communications. So I helped publicize the launch of Oprah Magazine. And then even bigger of a wow moment was Oprah did her first Live Your Best Life tour um, as a part of the magazine. And I ended up doing the all the publicity for that around the oh. country. And again, this was another 
as wow as it was, it was all, also like a slight nervous breakdown because I had always <laughs> done PR for products, magazines, you know, beauty products. This was the first time I was doing PR for a living human who, you know, could, and obviously a very powerful, you know, important one. And I wanted to be <laughs> proud and it was just incredibly nerve wracking, but also extraordinary to be in her presence and go to these arenas that she filled with women who were listening, learning, having their own aha moments. You know, it was incredible. Yeah. But also, yeah, it was a nervous breakdown slash amazing. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Ladies, one, I'm so glad that I asked and I'm so tickled to be able to not only highlight what you guys are doing now, uh, but, but the inside scoop as to why we love your pieces and where your eye for beauty and uh, marketing and creativity really comes from. I mean, it, it seems as though the the careers that you guys stepped into throughout the majority of, of your early chunk of, of a career before launching together has really uh, made you both experts in, in the areas that you're now sharing through Maxwell and Geraldine. So to hear that inside scoop is is pretty incredible. And I'm eager to ask, and this is a little bit of a loaded question. I give a little heads up. What is perhaps the greatest lesson you have learned? One of the biggest ones, this is Kate, is when I got hired at National Geographic Television, I found out about that job through a former intern who was my intern at Discovery Channel. So keep your network going. One of the biggest things I've learned throughout my career is when you get 20, 25 years in, you start looking back and realize it's really a a smallish pool of people who you work with. Hmm. And it's incredibly important to stay in touch with your network. Hmm. These are the people who know you, who know what you're good at, who even if you start out as an intern at Discovery, you're going to go out and do a million other things. And so all these people have these points of opportunity. And if you stay in touch with them, and so do you, hmm. you all help each other. So I would say keep in touch with the people you work with. It will make your opportunities in life explode. Hmm. So good. I love it. Beth, any thoughts? And just to expand on that point really quick, it's just take him out for a quick coffee, shoot him an email. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, extreme friendships, but yes, absolutely. That networking thing is massive. Um, For me, another great story, I worked at one of the other magazines I worked with was Seventeen Magazine, and we did a big series, America's Next Top Model. The editor would appear. Um, And this was like a very new thing for me. We had to work with our legal team. We're working up contracts. It just kept you know, we were all kind of figuring it out together, um, a little outside our skill sets. And I remember sitting across my editor in chief, her name's Atusa Rubenstein. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, conf- I was like, I don't know how to do this. And she looked at me and said, someone always knows the answer. You just need to find them. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. And I, I remember it at times in my life, like starting Maxwell and Geraldine, when it was like, I brought this up to Kate today. I remember us trying to figure out, all right, we need to, we want to do like cute mailers. We want to do these like kind Mm. of plastic, durable mailers that were, had our logo printed on them that were a certain size. You could slip our dresses in once they're folded down and in their own. (laughs) And we were like, (laughs) I don't even know where to begin. Like, where do you do this? How? 
and Kate, who is the greatest researcher in the world, like you said, talking about her um, finding our website company. Mm. Kate can find anything. She like solves medical issues for my children all the time. (laughs) She's amazing. And she, I think, again, through a connection, found someone in China who, you know, ended up making our, and was like, you know, I think WhatsApping them to get all this done. And I was thinking, (laughs) this is never going to work. We're like, we're never going to see these things. And she did it. But anyway, the... Mm. going back to someone always knows the answer. Mm. You don't need to know the answer. Just find someone who does. It's simple, but, and literally you can do anything. Mm. You can do anything in life. Right. Just find someone who knows the answer. Ugh. And people are usually willing to give of their time if you ask. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to ask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something else. Yeah. People love to help. They, they truly do. I, I think that's one thing I've learned so much from the podcast is that, yes, like you both just shared, if you ask, and even if it's a quick coffee, even if it's a, if it's a quick touch base, continuing that theme of networking, which I know you both have done so well throughout your careers, uh, is key. Well, oh my goodness. I think that we definitely are going to have to have a part two at some point. I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there. But ladies, is there anything we didn't cover today that you'd like to? I think we, we 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 touched on a lot. Beth, is there anything you can think of? I was going to say one thing. And I thought I thought I think it's an important point. Mm. We were terrified when at that point, like Kate said, when we had a very small amount of Instagram subscribers and we were launching this concept of like we're basically gonna be a direct consumer brand right. and we don't have that many eyeballs. And we sat, I just remember sitting at my dining room table on launch day and thinking, we are full-scale nuts. This is going to be a total disaster. What were we thinking? And then very quickly, just being overwhelmed with gratitude and amazement at how many people responded to what we did, wanted to help us, rooted for us, talked about us, told their friends about us, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but it's it's scary. And, and you will be scared and that's okay. You know, you've got to put yourself in the vulnerable position, I think, to find success. Mm. So know that as you're walking through your entrepreneurial um, vision, mm. like, it, it's going to be a little scary and, and that's normal. <laughs> so the other, the, other, the other thing I'll add to that is, you know, a lot of people get really obsessed with these 30 under 30 and 40 under 40 and mm. what are all the young people doing? And if you haven't started a business like 25, you're never going to make it. And the truth of the matter is that most entrepreneurs in the world are in their 40s. Yeah. It's okay to take the time to learn a lot of aspects of business before you start your own. No hate, no shade to the young people doing amazing things. Yeah. They can do it too. But I, I, I sometimes feel that um, more mature people get discouraged and they shouldn't because when you have a lifetime of learning, it's amazing what you can do. Wow. I'm over here just like taking deep breaths and taking in all the wisdom that you're both sharing. And listener, I hope you're doing the same. What's the rush? And by the way, you don't have to have a million people following you to get started. Mm-hmm. So, wow. 
beautifully said, ladies. And and yeah, I, I'm blown away by you both. What the careers that you've had and what you're doing now together is so inspiring and encouraging to me. And it's been fun. It's been fun to hear how not only have you figured it out along the way and and found who knows the answer that you needed, um, but it's been cool to hear the encouragement of staying connected within your network. And so so I'm eager to ask, who do you know that should maybe come on and share their story? Beth, I'm going to let you take this because we have a wonderful friend who's one of best best friends in San Francisco who oh. we really hope you will feature. Oh, fabulous. Oh gosh, yes. Um her name her name is Lauren Godfrey. Um very artistic lady launched a fine jewelry line called Harwell Godfrey, H A R W E L L. Harwell Godfrey. Look her up on Instagram. She's got a website of the same name. And she has exploded. Wow. I mean, talk about a quick, you know, launch. Um, I think over the past three or four years, she just won like the gem awards, which is kind of the Oscars of jewelry. She oh took her very authentic vision of kind of a tribal take on fine jewelry, um, a little different and people just love it, have responded greatly to it. She's really cool. Um, also in her 40s, starting a new business that's gone gangbusters. Um, so <laughs> that's one. And then the other one I have to say, San Francisco is full of incredible female entrepreneurs. Yeah. There is a woman named Robin Sue Fisher who started Smitten Ice Cream, oh. which if you're a local San Franciscan, you'll know is this really cool um, ice cream store concept where you go in and you kind of watch them make the ice cream. And um, she developed the machine. Oh. But she – right. So – but also is a great marketer in and of herself. So Robin Sue Fisher, Smitten Ice Cream is another one I would highly recommend. Oh, And I I just want to point out that Lauren Godfrey is one of a handful of African-American high-end jewelry designers in this country, in the world, really. Yeah. She also just got a CFDA award, which is incredible. (laughs) Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean- Fabulous recommendations. Thank you so much. You all will have to stay tuned for a potential episode with Lauren and Robin. Thank you, ladies. And I know that many listeners, per my uh, comment earlier, many of them already are familiar with you guys. Uh, Likely some of them have found you while listening to this episode. I hope you all have checked out their beautiful pieces. But ladies, where can listeners connect with you? maxwellandgeraldine.com is our website. It is also our Instagram handle and we're on Facebook at Maxwell and Geraldine as well. Amazing. I hope you all will go and check out their beautiful pieces. They've stepped into quite a few different products at this point. You all are going to enjoy. And ladies, thank you so much for your time today. It was our pleasure. Thank you so much, Emily. And we have to also say we've been so impressed by your podcast Mm -hmm. and your growth. And we've learned a lot from listening to the episode. So thank you. Well, thank you. And we will talk soon. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of How'd She Do That? Sponsored by Violette. I am Emily Landers. You can follow me on Instagram at Emily Landers and the podcast at How'd She Do That Podcast. We hope you'll join us next Tuesday for a new episode. We will talk to you.